Hey everybody, uh, welcome to another episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That is Brad, and today we got a special one, man. We got a special one to coincide with uh, with a new release. Uh, and this one on this one, man, we're, we're talking about killing some Nazis, man. We got uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, 2009 uh, Inglorious Bastards remake uh, versus... Uh, Jamari Hallander's uh, newest film, Sisu. Yeah, and uh, this is just a bunch of uh, Nazi killing fun when it comes to these two movies. Uh, both of Very them, much. like, they both take place during World War II. And while they have a different kind of vein with it, they have a lot of fun with the way that they proceed in the Nazi killing extravaganza. Uh, we'll obviously get to it with uh, Sisu, but I'm sure most people know of Glorious Bastards for what it is. As Absolutely. Quentin Tarantino, I think it's one of Quentin Tarantino's most well-known movies when it comes to like the public eye. Yeah, um, you, you know, you could be right on that one. I mean, I, I, I just assume all his movies are well-known because, you know, he, you know, he's such a pop culture figure. But I guess if you're talking about one of the more well-known ones... Yeah, I guess this is up there. Yeah, um, because his other movies are known. It's not like you can walk around and you know not find anybody that knows about Kill Bill. But mm-hmm. at the same time, when it comes to movies that you hear people talk about, like in the public and everything like that, Inglorious Bastards gets a lot of notice. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably because it's one of his more like simple to understand kind of movies of hey, these are people that hate Nazis and they're killing Nazis. Yeah, and there's some, you know, some twists and some double cross along the yeah. way, but pretty much that's what the film is. Um, and I want to I want to correct myself. It's not a remake of the 1978 Inglorious Bastards film, but it makes references to it. It's it, not a remake. It's yeah. a inspired by. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Inspired by. Um yeah, I mean, uh, I'm ready to just get into it. I mean, now, do you think we should start off with with Inglorious first and then Sisu, uh, or we, 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 what do you think? We, what do you think here? You know, I normally fight you on the order of movies that we're gonna do, but this time I gotta say I recommend we go chronological. Just, just get it. Uh, yeah, let's just get it out the way. Let's do chronological. Uh, you want to take over Inglorious? I will take over for Inglorious Bastards. So from the director, Quentin Tarantino, we get Inglorious Bastards, a movie that takes place during World War II, where we kind of flip between telling the story of three individuals that kind of cross paths with uh, Brad Pitt as Aldo Rain, the kind of leader of the Inglorious Bastards, which is a group of Jewish warriors that are fighting the Nazis in the... Uh, most uh, creative ways possible, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Melanie Laurent playing as Shoshana Dreyfus, who is a Jewish survivor uh, during the early days of the war, who has gone on to own a cinema in the movie. And then we have the Lieutenant Hans Landa, who is played by Christopher Waltz. And throughout the mm-hmm. entire movie, we're kind of watching these three side by side as they go through different parts of the story in the way that, uh, you know, a member of the Nazi military ends up becoming very smitten with Dreyfus. So she becomes the 
person whose cinema ends up hosting a movie that he's in, in which Hans is one of the people that is the security for that movie. He is also the person that killed the rest of her family while she was hiding, uh, you know, being Jewish and everything like that. Meanwhile, we have the Inglorious Bastards who are plotting to raid the cinema in order to kill the Fuhrer and the top generals of the Nazi military in order to end the war. And that's where their stories all kind of culminate together. Uh, told in chapters where we kind of get introduced to the three different parties, as well as when they start to kind of come together as a singular moment. And mm-hmm. that is the bare bones description of this movie. Dude, I got to say something. Uh, when I first saw this film, uh, it was great, man. I, Me and my high school sweetheart, uh, you remember the Renaissance Center? It had oh, a yeah. theater in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That theater, we, we snuck to go see this movie because we weren't <laughs> old enough to see this film. Uh, now, we, only, we can only see the first 10 minutes because my parents were on their way uh, to pick us up. Mm-hmm. Now I remember yo, that whole opening sequence, man. I mean, that is that's just a masterclass in intense opening scenes. I mean, the the whole uh interrogation between um Christoph Watt's character, um, you know, uh Hans Landa, which he won an Oscar for this, and this is like our first introduction to him as American audiences, uh, as as an actor. Dude, I just love how the the scene goes from just him being like a kind of like a quirky uh, Nazi SS officer and then as time goes on in the scene it becomes more and more tense the cinematography becomes a little bit darker as it as it zeroes in on them mm-hmm. and he goes uh, and I just love that quick one take between the two of them like are you holding uh, Jewish people hostage here he goes, uh, he goes yes where are they they're, they're, they're under the floorboard and like, and like I just like, like like it cuts in between them as he, as he like kind of zeroes in on him a little bit more after they talk about the analogy of the rat yeah uh, Dude, perfect opening sequence, man. I, oh, yeah. I love that. It's yeah. a great way to show that, you know, Hans is really good at what he does, which is he's not really a hunter. He's a detective. And mm-hmm. he picks up on the cues of, you know, the farmer and what he's saying and everything and kind of lulls him into this sense of security by being like, look, I don't want to be here the same way you don't want me to be here. But mm-hmm. formality says we had to be here. You know, even his like playful nature of, you know, you know, have you heard anything, even rumors? And he's like, well, I've heard rumors. Oh, I love rumors. Go ahead. Tell me. I want to hear what your rumors are, because truths right. could be a truth or a lie. But rumors, those could be anything. And rumors usually lead to the truth as well. And mm. I love how like his, you know, Christopher will obviously plays the role perfectly as this, you know, He's a Nazi lieutenant who is or not. He's uh, the SS and mm-hmm. he plays the character so well that he's not one of the characters you hate, even though he's playing a Nazi. Like every scene he's in, you're kind of like, oh, I like this. This is this is a fun moment. And mm-hmm. especially when he ends up like later having a scene with uh, Brad Pitt's character of uh, Aldo Rain. Uh, those two bounce off of each other very funnily, but yeah, it absolutely is a great way to open the movie and kind of give you an idea of who this person is, as well as bringing into the character of uh, Miss Dreyfus to kind of show how they have a connection to each other as well. 
Yeah, I, uh, dude, I, I love it, man. I love the character connections in this film. I love how this film all comes together by its ending. I, I got a theory, and we can talk more about the movie before we talk in depth about this. But listen, it's you know, subjectively, we we both know Kill Bill is my favorite movie of all time here. Right. Yeah. Um, but if I'm gonna be objective, I'm if I'm gonna take favoritism out of it, man, I, I think this is his best movie since Pulp Fiction. At this point in his career, I, I, I feel like this film, it just hit all the notches that you love about Pulp Fiction, which I, I say up until this point, even taking in Kill Bill, a lot of people would say that's his best movie because it put him on the map and it's just like a near perfect film. Mm-hmm. But I think if you want to look at this film and like, you know, the action, the characters, the plot twist, everything of Tarantino's directing of it. Everything about this movie makes it like the quintessential best Tarantino film since Pulp Fiction. I would absolutely agree with that statement because he breaks it down chapter wise very well. So it's easy to follow what's going on. It cuts to different scenes very well. It is very creative in its way of portraying different scenes. Like when it comes to Mm -hmm. the scene in the basement cellar of that bar, when it comes to how they discover that he's a spy for the British instead of one of the Nazi kind of commanders that he's posing to be, it's mm-hmm. the way that he says three by, you know, doing the three finger middle fingers up instead of like the three fingers on the end of your hand, which right, right. is something that, you know, most people wouldn't catch at all. Mm-hmm. But to people in Germany, that's it's an oddity. You You don't do that, you know. It's it definitely sticks out. And I remember seeing an interview with uh, Quentin Tarantino like later on where he was having a debate with some of the writing staff on that scene because he was like, really, it would stick out that much. And, you know, it, writing staff. Well, with mean? like the producers of the movie and stuff. OK, OK, gotcha, gotcha. Where gotcha. it's basically was coming down to like it, it's that really the giveaway for it? And it's like, yes, that is the giveaway. And there was somebody like on the team that was German and was like, yeah, it, whenever like somebody does it, you know, with the three middle fingers, it's always odd to see that <laughs> versus, mm. you know, when somebody does it the correct way, as they put it. <laughs> Again, another great scene with tension. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you see the, the, the face of the one Nazi guy that looks at him when he does that. And you, you, you it's kind of knowing on his face. Like, oh, okay, he's one of them. Like, mm. but I like how Tarantino plays it so slick that you don't even you don't even catch that it's about to go down until it goes down. Right. Like, um, yeah, it's a perfect it's a perfect setup of a scene. I, I love it. Yeah, I also love how like during the movie it doesn't give away like how he got caught until like later when uh, talking with the actress mm-hmm. who survived that whole ordeal is talking to the uh, you know Aldo Rain. And he asked, like, well, how did he get caught? Were you a part of it? And she's like, no, the idiot decided to put up his three fingers in the wrong way. Mm, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. He did like the British and not like the Germans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I mean, what what else can you say about this movie? I, I at least want to talk about some meat on the bones here. But uh, I want to say. Brad Pitt in this lead role, I think, is funny. I think I think his kind of like Arriva Dirce. Yeah. <laughs> that's that scene is funny. But the scene man, with what? the three of them trying to do like Italian. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, I it, it's it's a hilarious scene for sure. Um, I could take or leave Brad in this movie, man. I could take or leave him. I think he's fantastic in the role and everything like that, but I don't mm. think he was the only person that could play the role. Yeah, that too. But like, I feel like his character. I was like, I I like him, but I was like, I I, I could take or leave this guy. Like, I want to see more of Hans Landa. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see more of um uh, uh of Soshana. I I I felt like his character was kind of a distraction, but I get it. They're the guys that's going to kill the Nazis. I yeah. get it. They're they're needed. Yeah, but, they're yeah. supposed to be more of the hardened soldiers. Hans is a little bit like lighthearted on things and everything, but mm-hmm. I think having the bad guy be that lightheartedness, you can have that same person playing for one of the good guys. Because if Aldo Rain had that same kind of playful nature and everything like that, it wouldn't make Hans feel so special during his scenes. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Aldo is very serious and everything that he does, like, you know, it, even when he's like interrogating the Nazis that they captured during the one part of the movie near, near the beginning, and he's asking them questions and everything, it, he comes off very serious even though you know people around are laughing he's making little jokes but he's still like holding a very serious tone with everything and i think that's Mm kind of needed for his role yeah 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 you 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 could definitely argue that no 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 question um yeah man uh outside of that i uh i like the the storyline with soshana I like uh, how you know it shows her like creating this movie theater and what a what a Tarantino like plot to insert right oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> a character having a movie theater right and I like how she comes across Hans again and you got that tense moment where they're at dinner together and uh, my man is like hey 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 don't forget the cream <laughs> like, and, like he, he's so intimidating without trying to be intimidating in the scene you know what I mean oh yeah. Um, I think it comes down to his playful nature that when he gets serious, it does make him seem more threatening because you see him being like very lighthearted of, oh, yeah, tell me, you know, tell me about your life. You know, who are you and everything like that? Oh, no, 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 no. We need strudel. Have you had their strudel? It's not terrible here, but, you know, it's it's strudel. Uh, we we got to get well two two strudels and an espresso for me and some milk for her. And then. Anyway, as you were saying about your life, and it's like, oh, it, it's so intimidating to watch him just flick that switch to go from like playfully natured to just hardened. Like, oh, he is still a bad guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I wanted to say, uh, dude, how how could you not love? How could you not love to hate Christoph Watts in this film? Uh, the scene where they're trying to like, like pronounce in, in, in the German words. I love how in that same scene he asks um, Diane Kruger's uh, character, the actress. He goes, "Guess uh, what happened to your foot?" And uh, you know she she makes something up, and he knows the deal. Oh, yeah. I love how he just busts out laughing, and then everyone just kind of like just just stands still. Like, why is he laughing? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I I love that scene so much. Oh yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Like he overly laughs at it to mm-hmm. the point and i love how he even like goes oh you know me i like to tease it's my thing i have fun with right. it <laughs> right, uh yeah, i also yeah, love yeah. when he's talking to the inglorious bastards like oh i tell you know what was your name oh, go, with more rhythm come on let's sing it to me 
right, and right, right. what was the one? Uh, De Coco. Ah, very good, very good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, absolutely, man. Um, it's it's uh, it, it's overall. I love the twists and turns. I like Michael Fassbender when he shows up. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he's the guy that you know. I, I love the showdown uh, with the bar with the with the bartender. Like I love how the whole time we don't see Brad Pitt, but we know he's off camera, mm-hmm. and like uh, they're they're just negotiating the whole time. And he's like, uh, he's like, he's like, I, I um, he says, how about you just drop your gun and you just go your way? And I like how Brad Pitt just at one point says, uh, you ain't got much of a choice here, son. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I I, I love the ten- I love the tense standoff moments in this movie. Hmm. Right. Especially when uh, he's like playing off like, look, you know, you want to get back to your son. We want to get out of here, too. Let's just, you know, and then he still has the gun pointed at him. He's like, look, we need to trust each other if this is going to work. And the second he drops the gun, just Brad Pitt just opens fire on him and takes him out. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what that character would do. It's a no-nonsense kind of character. No risks, no gambles. Goes in, gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd, um, I don't... What did you feel about the ending? When I first saw this movie and I saw the ending, I was like, okay, that's a little anticlimactic. But I was young, so looking back on it today, I feel like it's it's very poetic. Uh, I still feel like it could have been stronger. What What do you feel about the ending? See, I, I thought the ending was good because first off, it showed, you know, Hans's colors of being like, he really didn't care about the war. He's good at his job. Right, he's right. good at what he does. He just wants to be able to live a life past the war and everything. So he's willing mm-hmm. to sell out the people that brought him to that state of power in order to get out of it. And mm-hmm. I love how Aldo is like, you know what? We made a deal. I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for in the deal and not a single thing more, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And the entire thing of him, like carving the swastika in the forehead. So it's something that they can't physically take off because once they take off the uniform, there's no way that people can know that they were a Nazi, but by, you know, literally putting that mark on them, there's no way they can take that off and, be let that be their past mm-hmm. but i yeah, thought it was yeah, a fitting yeah. end yeah i agree i, I thought it was a, a fitting end too i uh it, it, it was cool um so i the, i guess what i say what I, I i think it's poetic but i just feel like you know tarantino endings usually have like a like a hard hit punch and then you see you know written and directed by quentin tarantino uh, but that one, I felt like okay, I, I I liked it, but I liked the I liked the shootout scene in the theater. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh yeah, and I also there was no point where uh, Shoshana uh, talks with the Inglorious Bastards, right? Because they both had plans so. to take down everybody that was in the theater, but they didn't really mm-hmm. link up at any point. So the fact that they no. both had these plots and they kind of just worked in synchrony with each other. And I even love like the fact that Hans like breaks down the inglorious bastards and what they're doing, but doesn't catch on to what Shoshana is doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he like stops them kind of in order to like be able to get a bargaining chip. 
and in doing so, he takes the uh, explosives that you know Aldo had on him and throws those directly under you know the seat of the Führer Hitler himself while he's watching the movie in order to take him out directly to make sure that there's no chance of him surviving, not knowing that the other two would go on to kill him prior to the explosives going off. But at the same time, it's, it's a great way to kind of show that uh, he literally was playing the sides and just waiting to see what the next move was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Overall, man, I think this is a classic film and you know, Tarantino's filmography. And uh, I really, I really feel like it's one of his, one of the stronger ones in this entry, as well as you know, of course, one of the most popular. Uh, I give this, I give it a four point five out of five. I, I give this a five out of five. I have absolutely no issues with this movie. I want to <laughs> say this is probably the fourth time that I've seen this movie now, if not the fifth, and it, it's still a fun time the entire time through. It doesn't really have any lulls in it the scenes connect very well. The characters are really good. It's, it's a fun movie with a lot of just Nazi killing fun. <laughs> mm. Okay. Okay. I hear what you're saying. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to the next one. All right. Now we got our next film here, which is Sizu, uh, a film that came out this year, uh, written in, well, Technically came out in 2022, but not not here in America until this year. But um, uh, written and directed by John Mari uh, Hallander. So basically, this is set in um, uh, in Finland uh, during uh, the tail end of World War II. So um, this film is about a um, a gold prospector um, that comes across gold. Uh, name is uh, Atami, a former soldier. And uh, he realizes that, you know, he says, hey, he comes across some gold. Uh, you know, he has to uh, to reclaim his witches, uh, his riches. He has to go across a barren land, Finland. And uh, the only thing standing between him and claiming his riches is uh, Nazis, uh, uh, war torn Nazis that are just uh, bent on destroying everything in their path, including him. So mm-hmm. basically, he has to, like, tap into the one man killing machine he once was to uh be able to cross the finish line and i mean that is the bare bones plot of sisu it's uh it's straight to the point it, it's no frills i mean this is a uh this is a kill your way to the final destination type of movie yeah when it comes um, down to it, it this is a very simple movie it yeah it is literally as you said it is about a man who has gold that is just trying to get back to town in order to drop it off at the bank and Nazis are in his way. <laughs> now, the thing I love about this movie, what I like about John Maury Hallander is like he really wears his influences on his on his sleeves. So like everything from like the uh, the chapter titles, which kind of remind you of Tarantino films, right? The the chapter titles throughout the movie, yep. and you got the the eighties nineties action action trailer narrator in the beginning, kind of like with the one man one mission. And then you never hear from him again. Nope. <laughs> he just that narrator just shows up in the beginning. You never hear from him again. Um, so like I love this movie and how it, how it carries his influences on his sleeve. But um, I like the 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 main hero here, Atami. 
I like that he's a he's a wordless uh, hero. He, he he barely says a word. All he does is grunt the whole time. He actually until, does like, not the, say anything until like the very end of the movie. Right until the final scene. Um. So yeah, I. I so with this being, I, I I assume this is your first time. It's my first time seeing it too. Mm-hmm. So with with this movie, I like the uh, I like the style of it. I like the style of the killings. I like the style of how it sets the tone. And uh, you got this character here that you don't know much about. Kind of like you could, you know, call him another John Wick or another Jason Bourne. You know, like, like you know, he's, he's, he's a lone wolf, a lone warrior. Um, and he loves dogs. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I, I um, going into this film, I like the kills. I like the kill count. Uh there's there's a big thing about this there's a big thing with this movie to me where I feel like a lot of it is all style, but there's not much substance to it. Now what what did you think? I can kinda agree with that because there's there's a lot of creativity with the way that he goes about killing the Nazis and everything. I also love right. that he has like a nickname about him that when they get his dog tags and they're calling it out over the radio, they're like, Yeah, uh turn around. Do not go after that guy. Just leave him be. You will survive if you turn around now. He will not hunt you, but he's known (laughs) in the land as the immortal because nothing is capable of killing him. And I love how they like the women that the Nazis have captured from a village that they pillage through and everything or even going. Well, it's not so much that he's immortal as much as he just refuses to die. (laughs) Which right. I think is accurate to him where just he doesn't give up. There's a couple scenes in the movie where it's like, OK, that that definitely should have killed you and everything where this starts going from like action to kind of fantasy a little bit. But it, it oh, yeah. at the same time, it's just a very badass depiction of a warrior slaughtering Nazis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love the one scene where they finally decide to go after him, where there's the minefield. Uh, I believe the chapter is even called Minefield. So I like how the head guy, the um, the head villain, uh, Bruno, he sends all of his men after him. He says, he sends one man this way, one man the other way. One guy blows up, the other guy blows up. And then he, he I love how as he, look, as, he look, as he looks at the other soldiers, they're like, you want me to go next? Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I love how everyone is just like scared. Like, like, like they're just scared to go after him. But uh, I also love I how the third guy just goes down the middle. And he's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then a mind just flies at him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I love how this film plays with the uh, plays with dark comedy, with the kills mm-hmm. that it has in the movie. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of moments in this film where I was like, OK, I yeah, this is suspension of disbelief. Like, ain't no way. Ain't yeah. no way he made it through that. Um. Some scenes where he gets by by the skin of his teeth, I said, okay, that was realistic. I could see that part. I could see that. But, like, yeah, there were some scenes where I was like. I think all basically right, all of them after the minefield. Like, I think the minefield was the last one that I was like, okay, it, he. I can see how he survived that. He didn't come out, like, walking away like nothing happened. He was cut up a lot. He, he was bruised yeah. up and everything. So, yeah, okay, that's realistic. Since that moment, though. Everything that happens beyond that is like, yeah, he should have been dead, you know, 15 minutes ago. That <laughs> This movie mm-hmm. should have been about, you know, 35 minutes long. 
Yeah, I um yeah, I think even for its short like this is a 91 minute film. It's very short. Mm-hmm. And and to its credit, it's a to the point movie. Um the thing is like like with this movie, I, again, I love the death scenes. I love the action in it. But I feel like I I wanted to know a little bit more about the main hero besides he's a one man killing machine. Right, I'm yeah. Like, okay. We we need some human element. Like what else past that? You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't really get much besides he's just a really good survivalist who somehow survives situations that nobody should be able to possibly survive. Like when he's being hung and everything, and it's like, but how? How did how did he survive that? There, there's no right. way. And even when they're like, oh, yeah, well, he, he took the bar and he like shoved his leg in, in the wound and everything and that held him up. It's like, yeah, but. At the same time, the bar would have just mm. slid more down his leg due to gravity. He wouldn't have been <laughs> able to just hang off of that. And it's points like that where the movie kind of lost me a bit. And I was like, yeah, I get it. It's dumb action movie. But when you're going to do something, ex- at least explain it in a way that makes sense, <laughs> like in a logical way. <laughs> right, right, right. Or just Absolutely. don't explain it at all and just be like, she just refuses to die. Instead of giving us these like lame half kind of explanations of like, yeah, he, he stuck his leg on the pole and it stabbed him and he held it up that way. OK, then why was his leg still limp while he was hanging there then? You know, how was that hanging him up and keeping the rope that's all the way up there at his neck? <laughs> Listen, physics don't exist in a movie like this. True. Where you could like <laughs> find yourself on a plane and hang from a plane oh, as yeah. it's going high in the air. Physics don't exist in a movie like this. Oh, no, it's not just, at you all. Just, you just have to enjoy the dumb time. Um, I wanted to see more of the ladies who ended up escaping and, uh, you know, fighting back. I would have mm. liked to see more of a, a subplot with them uh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, man, this guy was just a killing machine. He wasn't um, the director who made this was inspired by Rambo, uh, specifically the first film, the first Rambo. I can see that. I can see that, too. But the thing with Rambo is that Rambo had a human element to him. You know, he mm-hmm. was haunted by the Vietnam War. You know, like he 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 had a human element to, to Ram- Rambo has a human element, even though he's a killing machine. Yeah, we right? had but, a connection to Rambo that made us go, I want to see this guy make it through. It, right. With uh, this character. What was his name? Uh, Atami. Atami. And with him, I... I wasn't rooting for him the entire time. The entire time I was basically going, yeah, kill them Nazis. I wasn't going, oh man, I hope he gets away with his gold and gets everything. It's more, I was just rooting for the Nazis to die than for him to live. I mean, I was kind of down the middle. I was like, I was like, yeah, kill the Nazis. And and I want to see what happens with this guy. I want to see if he catches in his riches, you know, with all the grunts and the, I got to say, uh, Jorma, uh, Tamila, uh, the way he delivers this film with, you know, the grunts and everything mm-hmm. he does in the film, it, it, he's 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 a great facial expressionist oh, yeah. throughout this movie. Yeah, like he he sells the role very well. Uh, but yeah, I was just interested in seeing where it was going to go. Like I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I want to see what happens with the gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at first, I thought the movie was going to play a trick like, uh, you know what? Gold isn't everything. And he probably would give it to some citizens or something. I, I, I was hoping it wasn't going to go that route. I was like, this man lost, almost lost his life, and he just gives it away. Yeah. But um, I like that in the end, he finally does cash it. But uh, I like the final showdown in the plane. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, this this film just has a lot of cool action scenes to it. Uh, it's very bare bones. Not much of a narrative there. Um, but I, I I feel like this this film is very much more styled and substance. And if that's what you're looking for, then it's not a bad ride. Yeah, if you're looking for just an action movie and everything, uh, it, it, this isn't a bad choice. Uh, I would definitely recommend John Wick before this, but it, this isn't Absolutely. a bad second choice after you're done watching John Wick. Hey, I told myself, man, I don't know where I posted it, if it was on Twitter or whatever. I said, dude, John Wick 4 ruined me. <laughs> like, that That film spoiled the heck out of me. Because when I was watching this, I was like, but there's no fire gun. Yeah, but there's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no throwing bodies in front of moving cars. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is this? Like, like, John Wick 4 ruined me, man. Yeah, you'll never be able to watch an action movie again without being like, but it doesn't have the dragon breath bullets. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I I enjoyed this film for what it was. I mean, do you? I mean, I, I like the sequence in the water <laughs> where everybody's trying to sail out to find them. He's underneath the water the whole time, just killing them one by one. Oh, and then you know, slicing their throat and using that to gather their air to stay underwater. <laughs> Again, it's moments like that that I go, okay, fine. <laughs> like, okay, movie, you can have it. It's it's a fun action scene. I'll let you have this one. <laughs> right, but it's like, but they're underwater. It just, it's just, okay, whatever. Let's let's go. Let's go. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, he should have been dead thirty five minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean. I ain't got much to add about this. I mean, it, it was a straightforward movie. It's a very straightforward movie. Great action scenes. But yeah, it's there's not much to discuss with this one besides going. The action scenes were cool. You know, like the fight on the plane and everything was pretty fun. The fight at the minefield was fun where he was literally using the mines to his advantage. Uh, all that stuff was fun. You know, but yeah, there's just a lot of this movie where it's like, Okay, I don't understand, you know, how he could have survived that. Okay, that mm-hmm. definitely should have killed him. And to the point that that almost gets distracting to the movie where they didn't have to have him be hung. They could have done something else to make it seem like he was dead that they would leave him alone. Instead, mm-hmm. they did something where it's like I can't physically think of any way he survived that. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I I I, I totally get that. Um, yeah, I mean, straight down the middle, man. I think this is a straight three out of five. I, I think it's uh, if it's for, if it's what you're looking for, you'll like it. Uh, does it change the game of action movies? Absolutely not. But it, it's a fun ride. Yeah, I, I'd put it at like a three point five. You know, it's got fun action scenes, but yeah, it's it's that's basically it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Awesome. 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 Uh, yeah, I mean, so if we, if we, if we're going to like nail it down here, I guess, uh, Inglorious Bastards wins out. Yeah. Which, uh, it's kind of unfair to see Sue for us to put Inglorious Bastards up against it. But at the same time, it, I can't think of anything that we could have fairly put up against this because it is very bare bones in anything outside of the action. Meanwhile, Inglorious Bastards is the full package. It has the action. It has the suspense. It has, mm-hmm. you know, the drama bits of it. It has the characters that we like, the ones we don't like. So 
there's something there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally understand. Um, all right, man, let's just uh, rush into a after show here. And uh, I wanted to tell you a show that I've been uh, rewatching currently. Um, it's a show that um, I think I told you about this. Uh, 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 Westworld. Oh, yeah. You, you mentioned know, that. Uh, yeah, I, I've been loving it, man. I, it kind of reminded me of why I love the show. I never got to see its last season, but I'm 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 half I'm going through season two right now. Uh, did you ever get into it? I did. I watched season one, and then I heard "Don't bother with season two, and I kind of stopped there. <laughs> Who told you that? I, I can't remember what it was. I think it was when season two was coming out, or maybe when it was season three was coming out, or something. And it was just like, yeah, just stop at season one. <laughs> Huh. Uh, so th- this is what I would say. Uh, Westworld requires you. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't throw you like. Um, it requires you to think. It's just. Mm. A, it's just a show that requires you to think. Like you know. It, you, like it, it doesn't. It doesn't spoon feed you, but it doesn't insult your intelligence either. It just. It, it, it says just you know just follow along with us. You know mm. you may be a little confused at first, but we, we promise everything will make sense in the end. That's kind of how season two is. And um, I love season two. That's my favorite season. Okay. Um, Season three is told very straight. It's told in a straight line instead of nonlinear, which was kind of like odd for Westworld. But I... It, it, it's a straight line of a season. I still need to see season four where they said uh, they, they go back to their roots. Yeah, I heard uh, season four it, is a lot closer to season one in terms of, you know, expectations for it and everything. Yeah, they, they go back to their roots. They go back to what people loved about it. Um, I just love the chaos of season two. Uh, so so you said you saw season one? I saw season one, yes. Okay. Yeah, I was I was just getting back into it because I, I like season two. I, I would say at least give it a chance. Yeah, I'll probably end up going back to it at some point in the future and everything. It's just not right now. <laughs> I haven't had the time. Oh, yeah, when you get the time. Um, I, I think I want to say the reason people don't like season two is the reason some people don't like season three of Atlanta because they're not in Atlanta. Um, okay. People people may not like Westworld season two because chaos takes control and it's not really Westworld. Mm. Uh, but I, I would say give it a chance. Okay. Yeah, it's always kind of been on my list to get back into it, especially after everybody was like praising season four. And going, oh, man, it's it feels like season one again. This is good. And I was like, OK, I might jump back into it and everything. It's kind of the reverse of uh, what was the show Dexter, where everybody was like, yeah, the new season was kind of just a repeat of the last season of that show. <laughs> I see. Now, I don't just I, I don't agree with that. I think Dexter New Blood was actually pretty good. It, it brought it back to it brought it back to why you like Dexter. OK, Um you got Dexter as a lumberjack, but it's not a cop out because, you know, the writers just want to end the show. It's, it's got it's, it's just no, we're going to have Dexter as a lumberjack, but it's going to be Dexter. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. OK, because I just heard it was like a shadow of its former self for that one. Like they were still trying to grab the magic, but they kind of just missed it. I thought it was just a classic Dexter season. I uh, I enjoyed it. I, okay. I But, you know, I'm, I'm just me. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say give it a chance. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have one question for you, though. And when it comes to the movies that are coming out in like multi parts, because right now, like the next Mission Impossible is a two part movie. 
mm-hmm. they just kind of announced that Fast X is going to be part one of three for a finale to that movie series. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kind of starting to get tired of the here's part one of the story, part two of the story, part three of the story. Like, I know we have Dune part two coming out soon and everything like that. And it's like, I like Dune, but at the same time, like the whole, if you couldn't put it into a single movie at this point, you should be moving it to a series because we've been shown that series can work very well. Some stuff is made for the cinema though. Like I feel like Dennis V, he he wants to make Dune for the cinema, right? And and that's that's fair. Like I I understand why that's a part two. Like I read that book, putting that all in one movie would feel very very congested. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to make it four hours, then it wouldn't. But um, I Dune Part Two I understand. Fast Ten. Come on, son. Like we don't, we we don't need. Listen, I like the fast movies. They're they're fun, dumb action to me. I, I mm-hmm. like fast movies, um, but I'm like, come on, son. We don't need this to be a part one <laughs> or three. What what you gonna do? Like like like. There's so much family, <laughs> man. Just so much. <laughs> There's so much family. We got family in Africa. We got family in Berlin. Like, come on, man. We don't we don't need three parts of that. Um, so that one, I'm just like, whatever. Uh, but Mission Impossible. I mean, listen, you're talking to a guy that loves Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's two movies, Volume it, One and Volume Two. The difference of that is both of those movies feel like complete movies. It's not like right, right. if Volume Two didn't come out, it, you wouldn't look at Volume One and go, "But it's only half a movie." You would still go, <sighs> "Kill Bill is still a movie. Kill Bill Volume Two is an extension of that movie." Same with the Guardians movies. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy still feels like a full movie. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is just an addition to that movie. I gotta disagree with you here, fam. If if Volume 2 never came out, I, I would have looked at Kill Bill Volume 1 as unfinished. She, okay. had, she, had, more, she had more work to do. The, the list wasn't over. I mean, the, the kill list wasn't over. I would have looked at that as an unfinished movie. Okay. Um. So, Volume 2, it, Volume 1 and Volume 2, to me, are, are like two parts of a complete whole. I don't know if Doom Part 2 is going to have that kind of energy or it's just going to feel like a sequel, which is fine either way. Um, Mission Impossible, man, I don't know. This is the first time we've ever seen Tom Cruise sign up for a, a two-parter like this. Right. Not 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 a, not a franchise, but a two-parter. So time will tell if, if, that, if that is worthy of being a Part 1 and Part 2 kind of um, entry in the Mission Impossible-verse. But yeah, Fast Ten is ridiculous. I, I I hope that's not a part one or three. Like, come on, just yeah. we don't need all that. But um, I I was gonna say, so yeah, it 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 is starting to become a little bit kind of like, uh, all right, guys, enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I I don't like that superheroes superhero movies. Like every single one is two hour plus. Like not every. Not every movie deserves to be two hours plus, man. Yeah, it, uh, there's certain movies that can pull that two and a half hour timeline. And there's some movies that you're like, this could have been a minute or an hour 45. You know, you didn't need uh, to bump it up to get to that two hour mark, two and a half hour mark. And the worst part is people like look at the movie and go, oh, this movie is only two hours long. <sighs> I don't know if I need to see that in theaters. It's not really worth my time to see it. But when it's two hours and 45 really? minutes, 
Yeah. So there was a study shown that people found that it was less valuable to go to the theater to see anything under two hours because it's the same price for the movie ticket. And if they're only seeing something that's an hour and a half long, it's not worth the value of spending that ticket money to see something Hmm. that's maybe two and a half to, you know, hours, 45 minutes long. I guess we're dinosaurs, man. I mean, I I miss a regular runtime of a film. Like, give oh, me yeah. a good, give me a good 105 minute movie. I'm 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 okay with that. Uh, when it's too short, you get a little worried. Like, uh, is there gonna be enough meat on the bone? Mm-hmm. But you know, two hours. Not every movie needs to be two hour plus, man. Give me I mean, a perfectly paced movie. Give me the movie that needs right. as much time as it needs. You don't need to pad a movie out. So many movies just have padding on them that makes you go, I don't, you know, you could have easily cut 15 minutes from this movie without much yeah. effort. You know, certain directors, you get it. Christopher Nolan, you get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he like he likes making epics. Steven Spielberg, I get it. He likes making epics. Uh, some listen. Once upon a time in Hollywood did not need to be that damn long. No. Um, I, I get it. Tarantino was nostalgic about that era. You could have easily cut thirty minutes from that shit. Like, right, like yeah. it did not need to be that long. Like, like some things you kind of go, all right, en- enough. Like enough. Um, yeah, I agree, man. Uh, some, I, 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 we'll see how it goes. We'll see if the Mission Impossible's deserve to have a part one and part two. I'm kind of thinking, I hope it is like this, even though this is polarizing for a lot of people. I hope it's like the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix uh, Revolutions. That's two and three, right? Yeah, but the only thing with that is those movies came out like months apart from each other. I don't even know if we have a release date or an expected year for part two of Mission Impossible. Well, I hope it is kind of like a thing where Reloaded and Revolutions were shot back to back. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like they were shot back to back i hope it is kind of a thing where they they have shot part one and part two back to back where it feels like one complete movie because watching matrix revolutions by itself it's not as strong of a film as when you watch it right after you watch reloaded right then it feels like a complete movie um if mission impossible part one and part two feels like that then i'm i'm okay with it uh i, I really think doom part two is just gonna feel like a sequel and that's okay too mm. but uh yeah, I, 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 I'm not at the point where I'm like kind of over it, but uh, the Fast Ten thing, I, <laughs> I hope that's a rumor, man. It's like, one I, of the I, things I was reading on it is that it may become like a part, a three part, uh, kind of movie for the finale. Mm. Yeah, I, I, we'll see, man. We'll we'll see, but uh, I, I hope that's not true. But. I don't know, man. This year's looking a little bare right now. I mean, outside of Oppenheimer, uh, Barbie, and Mission Impossible, we ain't got much to, to... Well, okay, Doom. Okay, so about five big movies coming out this year, right? Yeah, we, we've got a couple coming out throughout the entire rest of the year because, you know, it, it might not be as packed as the beginning of the year was because, let's be honest, we March was a packed month for movies. Oh, yeah, it was it was really packed. But, yeah, I mean, we still have what's coming up here. You know, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is coming. We do have Transformers Rise of the Beasts. The Flash. Uh, Indiana Jones is coming. Mission Impossible. 
you know, you, I, I, I eat crow. There, uh, there are some good things coming out. Indiana Jones looks good. Did you see the trailer? I, I did. Actually, I will say there was a recent trailer for it that came out that actually got me a little bit pumped up for it that the original trailer did not. Because I remember watching mm. that first trailer they released and I was like, OK, so it's just old Indiana Jones and he's out of touch. It, is that going to be the entire movie is just an out of touch Indiana <laughs> Jones? And sure. the new trailer that they released for it was like, OK, that this should have been the first trailer because this one kind of shows a little bit more of what we can expect from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, the new transformers looks pretty cool. I, like, it, it look- so on one hand, uh, I, I'm going to see it regardless. But mm-hmm. I've been burned by the Transformers movies so much that it's it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, I give my full faith into it, especially since it's now playing with the, you know, idea of Beast Wars, which is where I got first introduced to Transformers was watching the Beast Wars cartoon. Mm-hmm. So seeing them touch that and knowing their history of what they've done to some of the other parts of Transformers doesn't have me wholly excited and all in. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'll watch it. The trailers for it are starting to look a little bit better now, where it looks like it might actually be more about the robots than the humans. Because outside of a couple humans, they really haven't shown much of like mm-hmm. that side. It, it seems to be a lot of like focus on Optimus Prime and Optimus Primal. So that I'm looking forward to. What I wanted to do is I wanted to give me the same kind of vibe I have with the first Transformers. Uh, regardless of what you feel about, uh, what is it, two through eight? Um, <laughs> you know, the first the first one, it, it's just the first it's the perfect matchup of, you know, uh, a young Shia LaBeouf, a young, charming Shia LaBeouf, uh, a hot Megan Fox, mm-hmm. um, you know, an uh, action leading jo- Josh, Josh uh, Duhamel. I forgot how to say his last name. Um, and you know, peak Michael Bay. Um, I, I, I really love the first Transformers. You, it, it, if you turn your brain off, it's a great movie. I mean, you, you know, you know, it, it's like Armageddon, another Michael mm-hmm. Bay film. You're not supposed to take it seriously, right? Uh, if it gives me that kind of vibe, then I'm all in, you know, because I feel like the Transformers movies they're good, they're good background noise to have on some days. It, it, the problem but, uh, is, some of the more recent ones, like the ones past the first movie. It, that's all it was. It was just noise. There was no sustenance to the movies. There was no like scenes that I'm like, oh yeah, that scene was like really cool. And people said Bumblebee was good. I didn't check that one out. Bumblebee was really good. The one with uh, Haley Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. That that one was a really good one. But at the same time, that one took more time to like get into the character and everything like that. It wasn't so much just a robot brawler movie that the other Transformers mm. movies were. It was more of like a character-driven Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but we'll see what's going on, man. We'll, we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right, y'all. It's been another great episode of DFV. Uh, take care, like, share, and subscribe, and, uh, you know, keep watching movies. <laughs>